0: Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Well, there's there's an easy passage to understand, yeah? Um, We've come to another weighty passage in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, I wonder how you went with it this week if you are in small group. Did you wrestle with this? Did you talk this over? Uh, Weighty, but also very complex. Uh, Some parts of the the Bible are like that. So complex that Christians disagree. You might even disagree with me tonight, and that's okay, as we we talk this through. But I say complex as opposed to hard. Um, Most of the Bible is plain, is... There is a definitive meaning and understanding. Occasionally, there's a complex part. I think this is one of those chapters. As opposed to hard. Some things are not hard to read or understand. They're hard to hear. Uh, So Jesus, uh, the Bible's teaching on marriage or gender or roles or men and women in ministry. But this is not like that. This is just complex. Yeah. Uh, But super important for us to hear... Because it is God's word, it's Jesus speaking to us tonight. We're hearing Jesus' words. This is about Jesus. This is about the end. This is about the judgment. This is about heaven and hell, eternity. This is incredibly relevant to us. This is what are you doing with your life between now and the end. Um, This is huge. This is big. Can I say, this is bigger than Taylor Swift. Um, let's, let's talk about Taylor Swift for a moment. Um, how impressive is Taylor Swift? Uh, you've, you've got to admit it, uh, whether you like her music or not, there's just something about her that draws people in. Yeah, what is it? Have you thought about this? Uh, what is it that you can go, wow, she is amazing on so many fronts. What's going on there? How does she draw that many people? Um, she's, uh, I was reading this article this week about her and, and a Christian person pointed out that it's about her transcendence and her imminence. Uh, I don't know whether you've heard these words before, but yeah, you know, transcendence, she's the, she's the megastar, she's amazing on so many fronts, she's so unlike me and you, and yet she's imminent... She's personal, she connects uh, in her personality, in her lyrics. You could say she's authentic and that's what we love about her. Um, uh, It goes on to say, yeah, enjoy Taylor. What's the temptation? You'll worship Taylor because that's what we do. We lean into people like that. And think about Jesus. Jesus is so much more transcendent, so much greater so much more beautiful, wiser, and so much more personal, so much more able to connect. It's Jesus' words that we're going to hear tonight. Um, so let us let me pray, have Matthew 24 open, and let's let's hear what he's got to say. Gracious Heavenly Father, help us with these complex words from Jesus about the end. Uh, Lord, help me to speak faithfully and truthfully, Uh, graciously. Help us all to have hearts and minds that engage and that respond in a way that pleases you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 24, if you've got your Bibles there, open them up, Matthew 24 verse 1. What's happening? Jesus has left the temple, he's walking away from the the temple and what do the disciples do? They draw his attention to the magnificent buildings of the temple. Here's a, a picture of what it might have looked like. Uh, it's like the disciples are saying to Jesus, gee, you've spoken harshly, you've brought judgment on, on Israel, the religious leaders, if you're here last week, uh, Matthew chapter 23. It's like they're saying, it isn't all that bad, is it? Look at, these, look at these magnificent buildings. We're in good hands, aren't we? God is with us, we should be comforted. And they're shocked by what Jesus says. Look at verse two. Jesus says, Do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another, every one will be thrown down. And and you gotta how would the disciples be feeling that wow, how can you say that, Jesus? This temple with all its magnificence is coming down. They could barely hear Jesus' words. And if if the temple's coming down, surely that's the end of all things. Surely that's the end of time. Surely that signals the final judgment is is on its way. That is massive. And so look at verse 3. They they say, when, Jesus? Please tell us when and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Because we want to be prepared. We don't want to be caught out. We want to be ready. When? Tell us when. And so what does Jesus do? He spends the rest of the chapter saying, he says this, you you want to know about the end, I'll tell you about the end. It is complex. Come with me. This is super important, not simple. Get ready for this. Let me take you through two ways Christians have understood what Jesus says here. So I'll take you through the first one briefly. Uh, an adequate understanding but then I want to critique that and give you a second option which I think goes deeper and tell you why that's better. So I reckon the first way of reading Jesus' words here, the way you might read it plainly, maybe the way you might read it for the first time, maybe the way you might read it without too much context for Jesus' words, um, I reckon you'd pick up Jesus is talking about his second coming. Uh, He came first in in person, uh, walked Palestine, first century, and he promises to come again at the end of the age. I reckon that's what Jesus is referring to here, his return, his second coming, the great judgment to come when he, he returns to judge. And so what is he saying? He's saying, well, there's certain signs that you'll know that that final day of my return is coming. Have a look with me, verse 4, there'll be uh, many messiahs that come, so watch out, don't be deceived by them. Uh, Verse 6, there'll be wars and rumours of wars, there'll be famine, Uh, you'll know that that the end is almost upon us. But notice verse 18, uh, verse 8, that is when the end is still to come, it's not the end yet, Verse 8 says, all these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then, verse 9, Christians will be persecuted, even put to death. Uh, verse 10, many will turn away from the faith. Verse 12, the, the love of most will grow cold. The love, presumably, of, for Jesus will grow cold. And then what else needs to happen before that final end? Verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. But before that, there's an unmistakably awful thing that must take place in verse 21, something so dreadful, so so terrible. Look at verse 21, it's described as the great distress, um, something unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again and then... Verse 29, the end will come. And it feels like the end of the world, doesn't it? Look down in verse 29, it's like the dissolution of the the whole universe. The, The sun will be darkened, the moon will no longer give its light, the stars will be falling from the sky. And then verse 30, the Son of Man, Jesus, appears with power and great glory. He gathers his people... And that is the end. There it is. And so what does Jesus say? Well, he says, pay attention, doesn't he? Look at verse 32, learn the lesson from the fig tree. As you look at the fig tree, you see its twigs get tender and its leaves come out. You know, summer's almost on its way. You know, this, this great thing is about to happen. Even when you see these things, you know that it is near, verse 33, right at the door. And so what's Jesus saying? That great day is sure, it's certain, it's coming. It will be very clear, you won't miss it. Uh, even put some warnings out, doesn't he? Don't be deceived by false Christs, false teachers, false prophets. Uh, he says, you, disciple of Jesus, be ready for that final day. Uh, he says, stand firm to the end. Some people won't make it. Some people's love for Jesus will grow cold. Don't be one of those. And I reckon if that's your understanding of this passage, it's very helpful. It's very good if you avoid some of the um, directions that I'm going to take us to in a minute, some, some misdirections. But that understanding will hold you in good stead because what is Jesus saying to us? As you hear that, what is Jesus saying? He's saying very clearly, isn't he? This life is not all there is. There is the life to come. Uh, this whole world will end at some point. A determined point in history, very definely, very, very clearly, very suddenly, God will usher in the new, new, the new creation. That day is certain. And so what matters most to us then is not the best life that you can create for yourself now, but readiness for the life to come, doesn't it? That you must have that in mind. Uh, readiness for you, readiness uh, for others, that you might ready others, that we might, might make disciples of Jesus before that last day when it's too late. And what matters most is that you, you're not one of those ones whose love for Jesus grows cold, because there will be some. And so there's the message, hear that, hear that from Jesus. But I reckon if you press deeper, there's something more going on here. If you appreciate the context of Matthew's Gospel, if you, if you appreciate the Old Testament references Jesus is picking up, there's, there's a depth, there's a richness, there's a power to Jesus' words that goes deeper. So dig a little deeper with me. Have a look at a few of these verses. Notice, when does Jesus say these signs will happen? Look at verse 34. Did you notice this? Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Wow. Uh, Some have tried to say, well, this generation really means all future generations as well. But actually Jesus uses that phrase, this generation, in the chapter before. When he's speaking to the religious leaders, he calls them this generation. This generation to Jesus is the very people that are hearing his words spoken in the first century, there and then, the people in the room. So, all of what Jesus has just said will happen in their lifetime. And what do you make of verse 30? What do you make of the end in verse 30? When does the Son of Man come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory? Is it possible that Jesus comes with power and great glory before his second coming? Here's another question, verse 16. That terrible event that uh, Matthew called, Jesus says, the abomination that causes desolation. Notice that Jesus says, how will you deal with this? You'll need to flee. People will need to flee in Judea to the mountains. Uh, it, it strikes me that's a local event, yeah? That's, a, that's not the end of the world. That's a, an event in Jerusalem that you... It's so terrible, but you could flee to the mountains and be safe. Uh, you can't do that for the end of the world, you won't be safe in the mountains of Jerusalem and the end of the world. I reckon the answers to those questions are in, in this passage and are in the Old Testament references. So verse 15, the abomination that causes desolation, I want to suggest is the destruction of the temple, of the temple of God. Uh, Jesus has actually referred to this in the in the chapter before. If you flick back to chapter 23... Last couple of verses, verse 37. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. Your house, the temple, will be deserted, will be destroyed. God, uh, Jesus is pronouncing judgment on them judgment on the temple the the very what's the dreadful thing the awful thing that will happen in their lifetime the very place where God dwells his footstool on the earth you could say will be totally destroyed uh, so humiliating will this be so devastating will this be that you you, you will need to flee Jerusalem unless you're destroyed with it and that's exactly what happened in AD 70. Uh, it was a bloodbath of bodies. Uh, the temple reduced to rubble. It was a humiliating defeat. It was a foreign king, an, an adulterous, idolatrous uh, foreign king who comes in and desecrates the temple. It was, it was sacrilege. And AD 70 was that moment in time when the Jewish nation had its heart ripped out. The very soul of Israel was crushed as they saw that temple destroyed. Some, some dates are like that, aren't they? Um, when the World Trade Center was destroyed by those uh, suicide bombers and aircraft. Um, September eleven. All you need to say is 9-11, and you remember those terrible events, um, that terrible affront to the American nation. That's what it was like for the Jew, AD 70, the destruction of the temple. But why did Jesus bring an end to the temple? Well, it was a judgment on the nation of Israel. It was Jesus bringing in a new covenant. Now humanity would no longer have uh, access God through the blood of animals, sacrifices in the temple, no longer through a human priest, but now through Jesus. See, the temple is no longer required because of an even more dreadful event that occurred before AD 70, the death of Jesus. See, what happened at the death of Jesus? What an abomination, what an awful thing that the judgment of God would land on the Son of God. But there he would pay for the sins of the world. There, uh, now forgiveness of sins is possible. Now we have free access to God because of Jesus. And so when when you see in verse 30, the Son of Man coming on the clouds, what's that a reference to? Well, do you notice... Similar language to Daniel chapter 7, the the passage that Andy read out for us. Um, Most most Bibles have a reference, yours might have it as well. Daniel 7, verse 13 to 14. Uh, It's Daniel 7, the idea of the Son of Man, this this figure that comes to God, the Ancient of Days. Uh, Notice the direction he's coming to God. Uh, in Daniel seven, to receive all power and glory, and all of all of the world will worship him well that 's jesus jesus is, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, and when do we see Jesus coming on the clouds towards God to receive all power and glory When, when do you think that happens? Well we get to the end of matthew 's gospel chapter 28 of this gospel, and it's actually already happened, hasn't it? Because Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, stands up and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So at that point, it's already happened. What just happened before that? The cross. What's the cross about? Colossians 2 says, at the cross... God was disarming the powers and authorities of this universe, making a public spectacle of them. There's where God triumphed over evil. He did it by the cross. And then the resurrection of Jesus, when Jesus is seen to be the Son of Man, all power and all glory. John 12 says, He will be lifted up, He will be raised with authority, He will draw people to Himself. Well, what does that say about the end? Well, here's what it says. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you see the destruction of the temple in AD 70, even before that, when you see the death and resurrection of Jesus, the end is here. The end has begun. Do you get that? See, See how complex it is? It's not just one event, the end, Jesus' return, final return, it's actually multiple events that are unfolding. The first of which is the death of Jesus. Then comes the destruction, the resurrection, the destruction of, of the temple. And then God will wrap it up in Jesus' return right at the end, the final day. Um, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the destruction of the temple had already, is about to happen. It's in their lifetime it's very it's very helpful isn't it because it actually gets you to see that when when rather than trying to trace through history when are the the wars that have occurred is that near the end can you imagine living during world war 2 and not thinking this has to be the end 80 million people are slaughtered in world war 2 but jesus says don't look at the wars and the famine. You'll always have wars. You'll always have famine. That's all part of the end. And what about that great and terrible event that will happen before the end, the abomination that causes desolation? It's not the Holocaust or World War I or World War II. It's not a bad president in the United States. It's actually already happened. Destruction of the temple But before that, the death of Jesus. And even when Jesus says the gospel will be preached in the whole world and then the end will come. Um, The Apostle Paul picks up that phrase as well. And he's not thinking every single person on the planet has heard the gospel. He's thinking about it very differently. But he, he says the same thing. The gospel has gone out. The end is now with us. And so can you see, the end is complex, yeah? Jesus is saying the end is the destruction of the temple. Uh, but before that, it's the, it's the death of Jesus. It's the resurrection of Jesus. And then the end is the final judgment before the end of the world. Uh, you could say the end is a period of time... That starts with the death of Jesus, then the destruction of the temple, and then and then finishes with that final judgment. Here, here's an illustration that uh, might be helpful. Um, how do you destroy a ten story building? You put explosives uh, around the foundations, you you set a detonator, you get you stand way back just just to give you a bit of advice on how to destroy buildings. Um, But here's the thing, so the the detonator goes off, the explosives go off, what happens? The first, that ground floor starts to crumble and collapse and then um, one by one the, the floors start to collapse until the whole building is destroyed. But when is the destruction of that building? When does the building come to an end? Is it when the button is pushed or is it the explosives? Or is it the final destruction of that building? There's that moment, isn't there, when, the, when the, the button is pushed, the explosives go off, and the building just hangs there for that split second and then starts to fall. It's actually a period of time. And I think what Jesus is saying is the death, his death, the death of Jesus is the explosive moment that begins the end of the world. But what's happened? God, in his mercy, has put his hands in the building, is holding up the building. He's not allowing that building to totally be destroyed. He's putting off the end, the final end. Why is he doing that? So that people might be saved. Because he's gracious and merciful. It's extraordinary, isn't it? See, everything has happened for Jesus to wind everything up to finally return, to bring the judgment. He could come back tonight. But what is he doing? He's delaying so that more people might be saved because he doesn't want anyone to perish. It's the reason why you have been saved because God has put off that final moment. He's held up the building. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, what does that mean for us? Let me give you, as we finish up, uh, what does that mean for us? Let me give you four things. One of them I've already, already spoken to. The world, this world has an end. It would be foolish to live for this world and live for this world alone. Uh, lots of people do it. That's our culture, isn't it? Uh, but there is a moment in time where this world will end. There is a new creation that will be ushered in. You must live this life in light of that next life. This life is tiny, the next life is massive into eternity. And so I want to ask you tonight, do you trust Jesus on that? Are you living for that? See, what did Jesus do? He promised that he would die and rise again and he did. He promised uh, that, that his temple would be destroyed and it was destroyed. He promises that He'll return again. He'll bring in the new creation. Are you ready for that? Are you living for that? The world's going to come to an end. Second one, we're living in the last days now. Can you see what this means? This is, this is saying that period from verse 4 onwards, the period of wars and rumours of wars and famine and persecution... All of that period uh, is the period that we're living in now. Uh, Don't read this and think, oh, all the the exciting stuff is about to come, we need to wait and just... No, no, that's actually happening now. Now's the time to watch out that you're not deceived. Now is the time not to be naive, not to go after false Christs and spectacular things and miracles. Now is the time to be warned, don't let your love of Jesus grow cold. That's the period we're in. Take, take care to yourself. Take care to others. There's, there's a real danger in the last days that we're living in now that you actually become lukewarm. That little by little you actually, your love for Jesus just goes colder and colder and colder and colder until it, it just fizzles out. Jesus is saying, don't let that be you. Stay firm to the end. Third thing, these are massive things, aren't they? These are unsettling things. Jesus is our anchor. Jesus is the one you need to focus on. Cling to him. Trust him. Know you're forgiven by him. You'll be welcomed by him if you trust him as your Lord and Savior and and King. Be confident in him. He's got it worked out. You might not understand all the details. Put your trust in him. Live for him. He is our anchor. And the last thing, preach the gospel. Proclaim the good news. See, there's only one reason why God is holding up the building is that more people might hear the good news of Jesus. More of Wollongong might be saved. We're in that period right now, in the end, where people are making decisions about their eternity. We don't know how long that period will last. But this is the critical time. This is the moment. This is game on. This is eternity at stake. Because now the foundation's been knocked out. The foundation of the building is already gone. The building is on the verge of collapse. God is holding it up for a little longer. So that people might flee to safety in Jesus, before it's too late. Let's pray. Gracious uh, heavenly fathers, we we hear these staggering words tonight of the future of what you've done in Jesus, uh, His death, His resurrection. The end of the old covenant, the end of the temple, and the beginning of new life in Jesus, and that final end. Our Father, please help us to understand we're living in these last days. Our Lord, please find us prepared, uh, trusting You, living for You. making disciples, readying ourselves and readying others for that final day to come. And Father, we do thank you for your mercy, your kindness, your patience with our world. We pray at the same time, come Lord Jesus and hold off, give more time that more disciples might might be made, that you might continue through your angels to gather the elect from the four winds of the earth, to gather your church for your glory. And Lord, help us now as we have communion, as we take this meal and remember what it cost you for us to be one of your disciples, to be ready, to be forgiven, that we might be part of this new creation. Um, Help us to reflect on these things, we pray. For Jesus' sake, Amen.